What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Sparring Par- Partners Podcast. Oh God, uh, it's <laughs> eleven. Um, and before we get going, uh, remember to like and subscribe to the channel. Um, as always, we're presented by FilmFightFreaks.com. Um, my name is Kobe McKinley. On the other side is Brad Jones, and uh, we had a weekend of fights and. Uh, Brad, did you get up to anything else over the weekend? No, nothing at all. I enjoyed my one single day off with uh, napping. And then I uh, have to admit, I did enjoy the early start time of the card this week with prelims starting at 4 p.m. Because um, we've been kind of screwed these last couple weekends in a row with these like 10 p.m. main cards, which are awful. Um, but yeah, t- 7 p.m. main card is beautiful. We were done with the whole card by like, 9 30 10 exactly yeah it was it was great and it made me uh yeah i wish they would do that more often man i mean there's no there's no reason not to really i mean uh especially what's weird is that they all take place in vegas so like for a little bit 8 p.m became the new main card time and then for seemingly no reason they went back to 10 um yeah, I wish they were, you know, I don't want to sound like, uh, I don't want to sound old at, you know, 28 years old, but, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to have to, well, I guess we don't have to, but I don't, I want to see all the fights. I want to see the main event. And it's really rough when it's like 1230 and I'm staring down the barrel of like, you know, a Dan Ige, Calvin Cutter main event. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. And we get those, uh, we get those three title fight cards, and those those first two title title fights go all five rounds, and we're looking at a third title fight starting at like two a.m. or or the uh, the Ronda pay per view from Brazil with uh, what seven fights on the main card, or Ronda does fight to like two. Two yeah. thirty is ridiculous. Oh. Yeah, there's a well. Didn't they do that with? They did that with the Benson Edgar card in Japan. They've done it a couple times. It was like a twenty fight card. It was massive. It was a good card, then actually. Um. Oh my my cold one my cold one my uh my grade A root beer is catching up with me. Go, I might have to go pop a Tums. Like the dusty old man that you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have the, you know, I, I'm excited for that because as I get older, I'm harder to impress. Mm, and it, that is fun. you'll reach a certain age, I guess, where you're just nothing really, you think there's a catch always. Yeah. Well, this weekend we got some good fights, and there was no catch. Um, well, actually, yes, there was. Jimmy Flick caught a flying triangle in like the second or third fight in. Um, yeah, it was it was actually a really really fun card. What did you think of the card overall? Good old uh, UFC Vegas seventeen Wonder Boy versus. Jeff Neal. Jeff uh, Neal. Yes. There we go. It was a fun card, fun end of the year card. Um, I do have to say though, I was like the last week's card, the pay per view, just felt felt really big, really large. Like the you know the Tony and Oliveira fight just felt really huge. Um, obviously, nothing on this card felt that big. This obviously felt like a step down. We could have ended the year with the with the banger last week, but this was still cool. Still a lot of like dope ass fights. An hour about to have four weeks off, so um, yeah. No, I I take a I take a boring Jessica I versus X fighter main event fight card in there somewhere. That's all we had, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, it makes you wonder how a, a current events, an up and coming current events mixed martial arts arts podcast is going to survive uh, for uh, for four episodes, um, but. There's, Stick around and you will find out. There's always Japan. <laughs> Keep in mind, there's always Japan. 
Um, well, before we get too much further, let me go ahead and uh, hit the old screen share, and we can take a look at this this card uh, from our good friends over at Tapology. And we'll start from the bottom, and we'll just pouring out for the fights we didn't get. I always like to. I always like to take a look uh, in the age of COVID. I like to take a look at the at the very bottom of the tapology page to just see what we missed out on. There were some actually um, there were some pretty solid fights that we missed out on. We missed we missed out on the debut of Manel Cape, uh, former Risen bantamweight champion. Um, we also missed out on. Remember the name, Brad. Bilal Muhammad for Sean Brady. Misha Serkinov, Brian Spann. Although that wasn't due to COVID. That was due to Serkinov injury. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll get started. We'll start uh, talking about some names here. Uh, oh, a little side note uh, for anyone who is unaware. This was my first week doing doing prelim predictions. Brown, what did I score? I don't know. How do you go? Oh, well, um, I was going to give you a chance to guess it, but I'll just say it. I went five and two. Hey, nice. Yeah, five and two with uh, the exceptions. Um, I was off on the Darren Wynn fight. Mm -hmm. And I was off on the Talia Santos fight. Ah, uh, yes, I was also very off. Yeah, it, actually, I was I was wrong on each, but for opposite reasons. Mm. Um, I thought Arroyo's wrestling was going to be better, but instead he seemed to not defend takedowns at all. Mm -hmm. um, and it honestly was weird because it didn't look like an inability because there were times where he did fight takedowns and didn't get taken down, um, but he just seemed to roll over. Like my cat, like when I like start to do the takedown on my cat, he just flops. And that's what Arroyo seemed to be doing uh, all night long. Uh, it was like 12 takedowns mm -hmm. in 15 minutes from when. Yeah. And then Talia Santos, I thought she would be easier to take down for, for Jillian Robertson. That one was a big surprise to me because Jillian yeah. Robertson has been murking people lately. She's been on a roll tearing through people on the ground and um, she even had like a couple uh, 30-26s at the end of the scorecard. I couldn't believe she got shut down so badly. Yeah, uh, man. That that was the one that I had the toughest time picking. But as you said, uh, Robertson's really just been on a roll lately. And, you know, you see some of these fighters coming out of Brazil, 16-1, um, and one, you know, sometimes they're undefeated with 15-16 fights. And then they get in there with um, an American wrestler, and it's just a different thing. And uh, Santos seemed to, you know, not really. I mean, obviously, she didn't have a problem. She won uh, and won super dominantly. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really have much to say about the first fight. It was fine. I expected Giagos to win, uh, but the next fight a flyway bout between Jimmy Flick, who I'm in. I'm buying into Jimmy Flick. What, how do you feel about Jimmy Flick? I don't know a damn thing about Jimmy Flick. Oh, I'm buying into Jimmy Flick. Okay. He, dude, he's good. He's Granted, he was getting torn up by Cody Durden. Mm -hmm. But in classic Jimmy Flick fashion... The dude just, in terms of grapplers to watch, Jimmy Flick is is the best kind because he's just nonstop and he'll he'll throw submissions really anywhere he can. He is he is uh, the opposite of like position before submission. Jimmy Flick's just going for him yeah. once it hits the mat, and that's what happened. Uh, Cody Durden hung on to that caught kick just a little bit too long. And uh, and Jimmy Flick uh, got it done via via flying triangle. Um, yeah, 
He's a uh, Keep your eye on good old Jimmy Flick. And then, did you happen to catch uh, Tafon Chikwi versus Jamie Pickett? I did not. I missed this fight. Oh, man. Well, to fill you in and to fill the audience in, Chikwi is a big man. He's, he's, he is big for 185. Uh, he has fought heavyweight. His fight in Contender Series this past season was at 205, I believe. It was at 205. He looked massive at 205. So I was I was really surprised when I saw him booked for 185. And dude, he he is uh granted, he's only five and zero, but he looks really good. He he is a proper prospect because he's big and he hits hard. But he, but he is also technical, and he does things in the clinch, like frame people up, and really knows how to control the clinch. And when it comes to wrestling or grappling, um, there were a few things that impressed me. Uh, Pickett got a takedown early, and you've seen it. The big guys, big guys that are power punchers that want to put you to sleep. You put their butt on the ground, there's like a visible, just like, he didn't do it. He actually just immediately started to get back up, which is a weird, uh, which is a weird thing to praise a guy for when literally like every weight class below 185 pounds just does that as like part of what you do. But no, he, he was active and for a big power punching athlete, not only did he seem to not mind the grappling uh, and wrestling, but there were times where he would push the pace on Pickett on the ground. Um, he comes out of Team Lloyd Irving. I, I don't know Irvin, Lloyd Irvin. I don't know if it's called Team Lloyd Irvin because of the hot water they got in, but Lloyd Irvin is a coach wherever that is. Um, yeah, awesome. I, I suggest you watch that fight. It's not a like brutal finish or anything, but uh, as a guy to get on your radar, uh, Tefan Chukwi is is really a, a dude to watch at 185 pounds. Nope. Now, as we go up, um, just to mention Jerron Wynn, we already spoke about him a little bit. Uh, he was without a doubt fighting for his spot on the roster uh, in this one. Uh, weirdly enough, it was in 195 catch weight. Do you know? Do you know the story about that? I do not. I do not know what happened with that. I just have a feeling it was due to like a late replacement kind of deal. Um, yeah, that'd be. Although Duran Duran Win is uh, five six. I think Duran Win was scheduled to fight somebody else on this card, and this guy filled in on short notice. He was scheduled to fight uh, Braganeto. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah he definitely nah. secured. Uh, he secured his job afterwards. He got a new four fight contract. So that's good. You know, Duran Wynn fought on that um, the Golden Boy Promotions card. Yeah. I believe he he fought uh, last fight before they signed him. Yeah, he fought Tom Lawler, mm-hmm. and he really impressed me there. And going into this one, I was really concerned that Deron Wynn was going to be another guy that was, um, you know, uh, a hot prospect. The people in the know thought he should be a hot prospect, um, but he just he just doesn't get it done when he needs to get it done. Um, Saturday, he definitely did better. He actually used his wrestling, which um, he hadn't done that a ton. His, his last two bouts, both of which he lost. So, you know, it's uh, it's good to see him. It felt good. Uh, honestly, I was rooting for him because I knew that he worked with DC. Yeah, mini DC, that's his boy. Yeah, uh, he really but, just has conditioning issues. He's always had those. If he can nail out his conditioning issues, he could, he can, you know, get some steam going. 
Well, you know, uh, I think that one of the reasons it, it like makes logical sense that he wants to work with DC is because he is so much smaller than his competition. But I'm just not sure that the DC formula translates down in terms of weight. You know what I mean? Like heavyweight, if you're a small guy, you're going to have a massive speed advantage. Um, usually, you know, there's small people who are slow, but, but DC being an athlete, he's smaller, but he could do things way quicker than, than most heavyweights. Once you get down to yeah. 185, those guys are pretty damn quick yeah. already. So really all you're gaining at being five, six, 185 pounds is, um, you can duck under stuff better. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Also, in addition to, I mean, he, he may have DC's body type, but that doesn't mean he still he has the same skill set. Like, he doesn't have the same kind of stuff to work with that DC has, you know, those same tools. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, they spoke about it on the broadcast that AKA thinks that Duran Wynn could be successful at 170 or 185. But I mean, dude, you're at the, like, you're at the pinnacle and you're kind of, I mean, he just picked up a win, but he's two and two. So he's not exactly trailblazing his way through the middleweight division, which would suggest that maybe he should, yeah, like he, maybe he should drop. I don't know if that would help his, his conditioning, though. Yeah, Lord knows. I don't know. He's in a, he's in a rough spot all around. Try it. See if it'll work. <laughs> yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, next up, uh, Pani Kianzad took on Ciara Eubanks. Um, this fight was it was a really great fight. I thought coming in it was it was an awesome piece of matchmaking, and and those two really delivered. Yeah, it was cool. I don't remember what the origin of it was, but I early on developed some kind of beef with Ciara Eubanks, and I still don't fuck with her to this day. Um, and so I just, I just don't like her fights. So I don't fuck with her. Well, you must have loved this one because you lost. Yeah, it was cool. Um, Kianzad is, is cool. Um, yeah, that's about it. It was a cool fight. Nothing was like flashy or super impressive, but it was dope. No, I, I more so am just impressed with the, I'm impressed with the skill set of Kianzad. Um, she lost to, she fought on season 28 of the Ultimate Fighter, eventually losing in the finals to Macy. Barber. Like a, huh? Macy Barber. No, no. Uh, Macy. What's it? Chastain. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I, when I read her name, I think like Louisiana. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's one of those names, yeah. Macy Chasson or Chasson. <laughs> You're never sure how to say it, and you just want you know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, she lost uh to her in the finals, and has since gone on to really put it all together. Really uh, competent everywhere, and her stand-up is is really great and, and uh even though you beat the few banks um she didn't look bad in this fight it was it was an entertaining fight now moving on to another rather entertaining fight and one with some pre-agent implications and that is anthony pettis and alex morono how'd you feel about this one yeah, it was dope. Uh, Morono came in with an excellent game plan. He went with the RDA blueprint um, to heavy wrestle grapple fuck Pettis. 
uh, which was very effective in the first round, took him down, held him down, beat him up on the ground, definitely won the first round. Um, but he got tired and he was not able to replicate that in rounds two and three and got beat up on the feet. Um, Pettis looks good. Pettis still looks good. For the position that he is in his career, I kind of put him, I group him with guys like Cerrone kind of um, in terms of like where they are in their career. But in all honesty, Cerrone's probably a bit further than, than a Pettis. A guy like Pettis, I think it's it's the times that he really gets messed up is usually like a it's like a mental lapse, you know. And I'm like, man, some of these fights like the like the Tony Ferguson fight. I mean, after this fight, he was calling for that rematch, and I'm like, man, right now Pettis might beat Tony Ferguson, honestly. Um, like Pettis could totally be a player in the top ten at lightweight or welterweight. I mean, he had a, he has a knockout win over the guy that fought the main event on this very card. Um, so yeah, I was super impressed with Pettis. Always loved Pettis. Um, but that being said, I fully expect this to be his last fight in the UFC. Um, Ariel hinted at it pretty hard on his show today, saying that um, he, he doesn't think it's a lock for Bellator. That um, the other one, PFL, is also on the table, um, playing for him really hard right now. So um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the phrase that comes to mind, actually drugs come to mind when I think of Anthony Pettis and his, his MMA journey. The phrase chasing the dragon, I think it, it refers to a certain powdered drug. And this, the story of Anthony Pettis to me very much, um, success in MMA is elusive. It's like, Pettis is only 33, right? He's not, we mention him with the Aldos and the, the Cerrone's and, and these guys, but, um, well, actually, Aldo is kind of in the same boat that Pettis is in. They've just been in the game so long. Started so young. Started so young. And so, yeah, they're 32, 33, 34, and they're being grouped in with guys like you know Cerrone and Ferguson who are pushing 40 and uh and yeah success is so elusive in MMA because there's not there's not one thing you can point to with Pettis where like oh he did that or he stopped working with this person or he started working with this team or like he just stopped winning as much against competition that you know uh he he could have on any given day on you know on paper pettis could have won those 10 fights that he lost yeah you know what i mean he has some super impressive wins and he has losses that you're like man he totally probably should have beat that guy if he was like if he was all together but like Look at just like he's fighting at welterweight right now where okay he has a he has a finish over michael chiesa who i think is number seven in that division right now he also has a finish over the current number three lightweight in Oliveira. um he had that awesome fight with tony where he dropped him uh he's fought max before um fought dustin you know like he's fought all these guys like again the knockout over wonder boy um yeah, dude, Pettis is a beast, man. Like, that that Nate Diaz fight was weird. I really thought I expected him to win that one, but he was just kind of listless in that one. The Diego Ferreira one's a big one because he got finished in that, in that one. But, like, he's got, like, slick ground game, too, man. He's got submissions over, like, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gilbert Melendez mm-hmm. and yes and stuff. It's wild. Yeah, I always think it's so cool to watch guys that uh, have been in the game for a long time. And I feel like for strikers like Pettis, uh, when I was watching him put it on Morono with the wrestling, I was just like, oh, okay. He, he's veteran status. Uh, <laughs> he just, he knows. He knows that right now it's time to wrestle. And yeah. he, 
because he's been fighting for a decade plus, yeah, he knows a little bit about wrestling. He's not going to like, you know, he's not going to do that for 15 minutes, but he knows he knows when to do it. Um, yeah, man. And, and I think the mental part of the game is the, I mean, there's really no way to know, but it's just the feeling you get when you scroll some of these losses um the the mental i think is really what what it is the the that uh you brought up the diego fajeda or the ferrera is that fajeda i don't even i don't even know he's a he that guy real quick on a little tangent that guy to me is so much like Ponsonibio in that he like he ran onto the scene and like got one big win that jumped him up into the rankings of the division, and then he disappeared and like hasn't. I don't think he's fought since that fight. No, right? no. I actually, we'll come back to to Mr. Pettis, but actually, now that you're bringing that up, I'm I'm uh, curious. Yeah, because and he's not young either. Oh, he. That's what I thought. He's booked. He's booked against Benil Daryush. Oh, they really wanted him to fight Drew Dover, huh? That's not working out. The, <laughs> yeah, the only thing yeah. I remember from him is him getting knocked out by Dustin Poirier. I I didn't pay attention to any of these other fights. The Rustum, Kyle oh, Nelson, yeah. Jared Gordon. I was tuned out. Oh, this okay. When I paid attention to him was when he lost to Benil Darius and then lost to Dustin Poirier real bad. And okay, so we're getting shit about him. So we're getting a rematch. At UFC Fight Night, Overeem Volkov. Okay. Um, hey man, if you make it through two unheralded Russians, he did get two Russians in a row. Back. Hey man. Yeah. Ooh, Kabilov and uh, Tysonov. Those are solid. And then yeah, Pettis. Um. Yeah, the, the Pettis win, or the Diego Ferreira, Fajeda, I'll just say it both ways, and fix it in post. Um, that, that loss in particular for Pettis, uh, just a mental one, man. Um, guys seem to be able to uh, break him mentally in fights especially the high pressure ones and, and you mentioned it earlier alex morono he shot for that that's what he was shooting for it's just man old guys can fight turns out yeah and uh as we will see uh there were some other old guys on this card not that old decently old uh the next fight up was greg hardy and marcin tabora how about a, a tale of two fights it was it was like watching UFC 116 all over again, man. It was like Greg Hardy just like on the feet, glorious, just lighting Tybora up on the feet, making Tybora look like the bum that he is. And then Tybora's like, well, I guess I'll just take it down now. And the moment it touches the ground, Greg Hardy's like, I'm exhausted. And I have no clue what to do here. It, he it was off. It was strange. It was a strange. It was strange because it, dude. I think, hey, he got in a little bit of trouble for that inhaler, but boy, I think he needs it. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, dude, he didn't. It wasn't that he got clipped with something, and well, I mean, who knows? Maybe he did get clipped with something. We didn't see it, but it didn't look like he did, and it looked like he decided to shell. And then not it honestly, it looked to me like, hey, uh, this guy has the longest active win streak in the heavyweight division. If I lose, not a huge deal. I'll just protect myself until the ref pulls him off and ah, we'll chalk it up to inexperience. Cause I mean he he legit looked like not only that like the skills weren't there, but like he didn't even know it didn't look like he knew how to apply really anything 
uh, we've we've met and known the Greg Hardy fighter archetype before. Uh, he's been gone for the sport, but he will return shortly. And his name is Anthony Rumble Johnson. Uh, Greg Hardy is just a heavyweight Anthony Rumble Johnson. He will go out there, throw bombs. The moment he faces adversity or gets tired or it goes to the ground, he's out. And he don't give a shit, okay? He has no, he's not beating himself up about it. He's like, it's all good, bro. He's giving his opponent daps afterwards. He's like, we just made some money and got rich. It's, yeah. it's what it is. It's what the guy wants to do. Greg Hardy is ginormous. When I, was, when I was looking at the fight, I'm like, this guy has to cut weight to make 265. Marcin Tybora himself is a large man, and he was in there looking tiny compared to Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy is ginormous. He is like it, all of a 300-pound walking around guy. Um, Dude, absolutely, this... he's going to get exhausted when he starts going multiple rounds in a fight. So I have to bring up a few things because because I feel like I feel like Marcin Tabora is getting lost a lot in the discussion of Hardy. I mean, the man has the longest win streak in the heavyweight division currently. That is true. Yeah, he's also he's also somehow under forty. Mm. Didn't realize that. And his picture on Tapology looks like. A 14-year-old boy's head photoshopped on a man's body. Look at that. Apparently, uh, whatever fighting competition he just won, uh, they're giving him a golden chicken. I think, are you sure it's not the golden goose? Oh, that's better. Okay, so he was fighting for a royal golden goose. This guy, this guy is number one producer. Oh, he's blasted. That guy's flat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Come on, man. What are you gonna do with all your gold chicken? Advancing dude. I just gotta go give his gold chicken away. Yeah, you gotta you got a little you gotta get a little buzz on before Fedora's manager <laughs> lifts a guy's arm in a ring. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So Tabora somehow is not 40 years old. I thought he was old, but he's, he is 35. Other, He's a rare heavyweight that's uh, 35 or younger. So good on him for being born in 1985. And let's take a look at this. Ooh, ooh, oh no. Okay, so circa September of 2019, he was one in four in his last five and has since gone on uh to stop to uh well he finally got a stoppage in his in his yes everything we're discovering right now is exactly why i hate marcin tabora and why he's a bitch because in all honesty when he came into the ufc he sucked everything up he started getting beat up and getting finished by like weak ass dudes and he's on a nice little streak now but let's be honest they're not against the most elite heavyweights when he fights elite heavyweights, he gets fucked up. He did take out Victor Pesta. Yeah, four years ago, he did it. That's good. Victor Pesta, I believe, was... Uh, he took the ultimate UFC uh, witness test and Andre Arlovsky. So he lost to Verdum, Lewis. He beats Drew. Mm. Then Shamil. He got TKO'd in both those fights. He got TKO'd by Augusto Sakai. Hey, man. That's a pretty common way to lose to Augusto Sakai. Although he's another guy, not to get totally derailed and just click around topology, which I love to do, but. Too late. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, Augusto Sakai, that's like. um. Andre Arlovsky is going to be on every single one of these, Rick. Isn't that nuts? Isn't that Every nuts? single heavyweight that comes in the UFC. All right, Arlovsky. And if you see Arlovsky's in the in the fight, it's going to be some form, some form of that. Let's see okay. Arlovsky's records now. We're way off the rails. Okay. The pit 30 and 19. 
hold on. You're telling me that our dude, I guess in my mind, all heavyweights are like 40 because he's only 41. I feel like the guy's been 40 for the last eight years. <laughs> well, he was okay. like written okay. off dead the, at like 32. Ooh, no. Okay. Oh, that's, oh five, no. that's five straight right there. But, dude, that run yeah. before that, when he came back to the UFC, that was crazy. Well, I mean, like, he – yeah, man. He fought Tim Sylvia about a dozen times. and <laughs> <laughs> So, he lost – like, how crazy is this? So, 2009 to 2011. People are like, yeah, Arlovsky should probably hang him up. That's <laughs> like which at the time a decade was, ago. Which you he know why. Yeah, well, you know why I've thought he was 40 for the last <laughs> 10 years. Because people have been treating him like he's 40 for the last 10 years. He was just barely past 30 when people are like, dog, you got to hang it up. Dude, it's exactly hang- what we're doing with Aldo. You got to hang him up, man. You're, you're about to be on the road. Bro. Um, and then, you know, he rebounded that he had some dark times at Pro Elite. But thank God for Ray Lopez. Ray Lopez what? got back on track. Dude, how did I never watch that fight? He fought Tim Sylvia for a 13th time at 1FC5. It was a no contest because of illegal soccer kicks. Yeah, because they had that weird system where the ref could, like, decide if soccer kicks were legal or Ill, it was a really messy system. Now they just let them rip. But back then they had to like call it. The ref had to give them the okay. And then that uh, he survived to a decision with Anthony Johnson. Still got his job broke right now. That's true. And then, yeah, man. And then he went on his, uh, he went on that little run he, he had. And then, oof. And then, and then, oh, and yeah, you know, like, Arlovsky has really gone through it all. He he really is, um, when I think of a, a veteran of the sport and a guy who, who really fights his status as a veteran of the sport, it's Arlovsky, man. Yeah. Like, he, uh, yeah, his fights are not flashy. And they're often not super entertaining anymore. But I think it's just because of his understanding of the game and what really you have to do to win. And and Arlovsky makes it look like not that much. Yeah, Arlovsky is the full definition of a gatekeeper. He is the UFC heavyweight gatekeeper. It's like if you if you come in the UFC and you're heavyweight, you gotta fight Arlovsky. And if you expect to do anything here you got to beat him because those last two dudes that came in and lost to him we're not going to hear about them for a couple of years yeah yeah our Arlovsky's a guy where the UFC takes a young heavyweight and they go you need to be able to to force a stoppage yeah because Arlovsky ain't overextending himself no he is not really. afraid to clinch up against yeah. the cage for 15 full minutes. Yeah. You need to force this finish. If you're not good enough to force this finish, we'll yeah. uh yeah, we'll we'll see you in a couple years. You'll yeah. be floating around somewhere, but we'll see you in a couple years. Well, after we've spoken uh somehow Arlovsky worked his way in the conversation, we move on uh to Rob Font and Marlon Marais. This um, honestly was the one I was probably most impressed with on the whole card. Yeah. Really great, really great work. And honestly, um, what impressed me most about Rob Font's win is that he didn't, granted, I mean, it wasn't like he got it done relatively easy, but he, he it wasn't one-way traffic. Like he had to fight back from being – Early on, um, I was like, well, this is what Marlon Marais does now. Cool. He, he's totally changing it up. 
and he tried to, and he looked pretty good trying to wrestle and, and grapple Rob Font. But man, when Rob Font let it go, um, dude, that ooh, that uh, that was a that was a pretty rough stoppage, don't you think? Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marlon Marias is having a rough year, and he is on a he's having a rough go of it right now. He was on like a rocket ship straight to the top of the division, and now he just ran into a brick wall. I mean, he he fell. I mean, he just was number three and got finished in the first round by the number eleven. So I have to think he falls to at least the bottom of the top ten. Um, from being the number one contender just a couple months ago. Ooh, that's rough. He was booked against Piotr Jan. Canceled due to coronavirus. Hmm. Yeah, well, instead he got wheel kicked by Corey Sanhagen and man, that, that on the the most haunting punch of the whole fight ending sequence for me was that uppercut from Rob Font. Yeah. It just it just like probably there it it could have been stopped. Um but uh to focus on uh to focus on our winner and the dude who has come back from some pretty serious stuff. Uh he got injured and it was his first time fighting uh, in a little bit over a year uh, when he won against Ricky Simone. And now he's on a three-fight streak. That's pretty good. Yeah. Where where, uh, where would you like to see Rob Font go from here? Well, the top of that division is getting kind of messy right now because you've got the recently booked um, Frankie versus Sandhagen fight, which is presumably your next number one contender fight after Aljo and Jan. So I guess you do Rob Font versus if he's not going to fight beneath himself in the rankings, then maybe they're turning Dillashaw or that's fine. Just do Dillashaw. That's fine. Sure. Dillashaw. Hmm. Well, that actually, the mention of Dillashaw, could I, listen, man. Um, well, here, talk about the next fight, too. Well, actually, Skip, although, and Vera will tie into this also. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because I was going to say we move on to the next fight, but uh, Michelle Pereira. I don't have too much to say about Pereira. that fight. Dude, what it just... I need a pronunciation guide on, but sometimes they don't even, sometimes the rules change on these Brazilian names. Sometimes you say the R, other times you say an H instead. Yeah, it's all made up. We call him the Lick Palm Slap Man. Yeah. Michel. That's what we call him on this podcast. And he got a unanimous decision win over Chaos Williams. Um, in a fight that was uh, technical, but certainly did not live up to people's expectations, for sure. No, Chaos was... Okay, Chaos didn't get a flashy knockout like people expected, but he was intense enough to stop Michael Pereira from doing any of his flashy shit that he likes to do. So it was a total nullification across the board. We didn't get a nice brutal knockout from Chaos. We didn't get any cool flashy jumpy shit from Michelle. Did he uh, lick his palm once? In probably the not. It was, just, it was just a straightforward fight. And it was, it was fine. It was fine. Fine. Yes. There we go. Uh, yeah, so to circle back, Rob Font. We're unsure what to do with the man. Um, Aldo. Never mind. Take Dillashaw out. Have him fight Aldo. Well, that's the thing. is You brought in Dillashaw and that's who Aldo called out. Here's my thing. It's, it all comes down to really how you feel about Dillashaw person, right? It becomes a like, does a, does a person who was champion of the division and then 
had the belt taken away from them and was gone for two years, do they deserve to fight for that belt upon returning to the division? I feel like unanimously people are saying no. He's not going to fight for the belt in his initial return. So then it becomes, okay, well, if you're not going to fight for the belt, should your fight be in a Morgan Tinder fight? Or when you return, how how far along into the rankings do you jump in? Are you jumping back in at like number 10? Or are you jumping back in like, okay, you get one fight and then you're fighting for the belt? You know, like where does it fit in? The division's changed and grown so much since you yeah. did Another person's became champion and left. And now there's a like everyone at the top of the division. None of these people were here when he left before. It's all new. Yeah, I think it just depends on. I mean, he's still being he's still in the USADA pool, so I assume he's still being tested. If the if the USADA pool were not a thing, right? I think is the promotion you would want to put him in there against a fight that would draw eyes, but if he pops again, if he somehow pops again, it's not going to like disrupt things one way or the other. Um, That's traditionally, I think, how it would go, uh, you know, minus a USADA type organization, but. Hey man, the guy did his, he did the time. Um, he seems to have used that time uh, well. Um, well, I mean, time will tell if, if it ultimately is successful, but he, he had, he took the time and he had surgery on both of his shoulders and he rehabbed a bunch of stuff. And uh, as of late, he's definitely been in the gym. He's been cornering uh, the likes of uh, Juan Archuleta, the, Bantamweight champ over in Bellator. I think it's I think it's Bantamweight. Yeah, because they're doing the featherweight tournament right now. Um, so yeah, yeah, he's been working with dudes. Um, there's a lot of un- unanswered questions about Dillashaw and uh, Rob Font is not a fight that I totally hate. Um, I like the Aldo fight a little bit more because I do feel that that even though Aldo got this win. I don't think the crossroad bouts are over for him yet. No. I think every time he goes out, we're going to be ready to pronounce him done. Yeah. You know, even though he just beat Marlon Vera, if he loses his next fight, even by decision, people will just be like, well, time to throw out the trash. Get that Aldo out of here. Um and I think for Dillashaw, it's similar too, because his last fight, not only did he pop for drugs, he got stopped in under a minute. Yeah. So um, I think that just like many things in MMA, especially when it comes to uh, a large a large section of the mixed martial arts fandom, does not like Dillashaw um, for things that he has not done to them. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why people hate Dillashaw. Um, I don't love the guy. I'm not like a giant fan, but like, yeah, he's like a run of the mill guy who got busted for cheating. And yeah, the questions he's going to have to answer go beyond can he win a, a fight? So uh, I think Rob Font or Jose Aldo, either is a good matchup. It just depends. Yeah, like you said, you want to throw him to the Wolves, uh, the Wolf being Rob Font, or do you want to give him a, yeah, a fight to build on? Uh, a guy who is in his 30s and uh, seems to be on the way out, even though he just won. So yeah, I think you, I think you have a good point. It's just a matter of like, what does UFC management think of Dillashaw? Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, and, and so that brings us to our main event: Stephen Thompson getting it done over Jeff Neal via unanimous decision. And had a lot of trouble with that word, my diction. Uh, unanimous decision. Um, where Jeff Neal was really never in it 
No, no. Uh, Wonder Boy did a full Wonder Boy. Um, just shut him down. Jeff Neal couldn't get anything going for five rounds, and that was just what it was. Can we um, can we dub Thompson Karate Fitch? Down with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Stephen Karate, the Karate Fitch Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My biggest thing is so we had Wonder Boy had his two fights against um, Woodley. Both of those went south. And so at that point, it looked like, okay, he's, he's in a bad situation because he's blocked out of the title picture, right? So some time goes by. Woodley no longer champion. Woodley also no longer even relevant at the top of the division. Wonder Boy, okay, so he, since he was locked out, he uh, beat Masvidal, super hot right now. And then they were like, all right, let's have you fight some, you know, up-and-coming guys like Darren Hill, lost the Pettis fight, which was wild. And then they were like, all right, these young up-and-coming cats like a Hill, like a Vincent Luque, a Jeff Neal. And so the whole time you got Wonder Boy sitting at like number five, having to defend his number five spot against like number 13, number 11. And he's done that now. And you look ahead of him, the whole top of the welterweight division is completely different from what it was when he was kicked out of it. Um, he has all kinds of fresh matchups up there against Usman or against Colby. Uh, he mentioned the rematch with Masvidal, who he beat fairly easily just three years ago. Um, I want him to fight up next. I'm done. He's. I'm done with him fighting down. People were talking about like, oh, let's have him fight like Michael Chiesa. No, we're we're over that. I want him fighting up. I want him fighting a guy ranked above him next, preferably. Um, yeah. I want Wonder Boy moving back to it because those are fun stylistic matchups to me. Everyone up there is a wrestler, yeah. like uh, Wonder Boy versus Usman or Wonder Boy versus um, Colby. Those are interesting fights to me. Like he may get grappled, wrestled to death, but we don't know that. He may also like just piece them up from the outside, and they may not know how to deal with him. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's uh, it's one of those things where. Um, and you you see it with the dudes who have beaten Wonder Boy. Beating Wonder Boy doesn't mean you've necessarily hit like Wonder Boy's skill set is so unique that what it takes to beat Wonder Boy may not even necessarily be what makes what generally makes the best mixed martial artist. Yeah, it probably isn't. No, and in the and and the best mixed martial artist, um may not necessarily beat wonder boy and so that's a yeah i get where you're coming from and i and i totally agree i would love to see him get um get a fight against yeah a, a guy maybe in his next fight being a number one contender um assuming did you did you see any deep have, have they released any details as to what was up with his knee not that i've seen no that looked nasty, man. Yeah, that looked not bad. good. It was a it was a well placed leg kick by Neil, and then it immediately swelled up. He was out for a full year from the injuries he got in the Vincente Luque fight. He got banged yep. up in that one bad too. He's been getting injured quite a bit lately. I mean, he took a well, bad knockout in that Pettis fight too. Well, I mean, he's thirty seven. Yeah, he's maybe thirty eight in February. Well, and he's been fighting since he was uh, a teenager. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, there's some miles on him, and I really would like to see him given some opportunities because yeah. I don't think we're going to get to have him for too much longer. Yeah. Um, and I totally agree because you could see those fights against a, a Covington or an Usman um, going those ways, like in getting ground down and uh just wrestled to death but that like hey woodley had a real hard time yeah, getting close to him that's what i was gonna say is is that woodley couldn't really do that consistently woodley won those fights with moments 
he was able to and with out. activity. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He was able to steal some moments and then nullify the rest. Mm-hmm. And that's how he won. And I think that uh, if you're trying to beat him, uh, in, and that's what Till did as well. So if you are trying to beat a Wonder Boy, um, beating him in the traditional sense almost is not... Uh, it's not a good strategy. I mean, <laughs> you need to you need to steal moments off of uh, off of Wonder Boy over the course of the distance, and yeah, he's a he's a talent that is so unique. And it and I'll just reiterate it again: um, we're probably not going to have him for too much longer. Uh, win, lose, or draw. I mean, he could keep winning these uh, forever. But when you've been doing martial arts and competing in martial arts since you were a teen and you're almost forty. Uh, the body doesn't hold up forever, and I would love to see him get some opportunities before before we got to see him go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so normally at this time in the show, we would look ahead. We'd go looking forward. Um, but unfortunately, forward means going uh, a month um, to what? Holloway Cutter? Yep. Right. And so we're not going to preview that right now. Um, I don't, it's just way too early to do that. Um, so what we're going to do instead is really an, uh, announce a, a couple things. Uh, one, um, so Brad and I, we're going to be working on like our 2020 review. We're going to draft up some some awards things of that nature and we'll be um we'll be doing like a best of 2020 like our top fighter our top fight uh, things like that um that will get us through uh one of these four weeks and then also as is tradition around these parts the end of the year brings christmas of course Hanukkah also. There are other holidays as well. But for me, the end of the year has always meant Japanese MMA. And this year is no different. And so Risen 26 takes place uh, December 31st, and it starts at 2 p.m. in Japan, uh, which means it starts at midnight here. So um, that really, other than there's a 1FC card on the 25th at 7 a.m. Eastern time, Brad, if you were, one, if you were interested in wondering, uh, 1FC is doing a show at 7 a.m. on Christmas Day. But yeah, the uh, the risen card, the New Year's risen card. I'm just gonna we can just briefly go over this because I mean it does have some pretty decent fights. And if you are at all familiar with JMMA, uh, some names that'll that'll be familiar. Um, Kai Asakura takes on Kiyoshi Horiguchi for the bantamweight belt. This is uh, Horiguchi's first fight back since having to relinquish his Bellator and. Uh, risen bantamweight belts uh, due to blowing his knee out. Um, that's a big one. At least for me, because um, uh, Horiguchi, man, he just never gets, he's just never gotten his due, I don't think, over here in the West. Um, I think he got that shot at DJ just a little bit too soon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's just a completely different fighter over there in Japan. He's taken over. He's taken on Kai Asakura, a man who has a victory over him, a stoppage victory. Um, and then the Adam White Championship, uh, Miyu Yamamoto. Uh, she has some relation to Kid Yamamoto. Uh, taking on this is does this sum up JMMA to you? Uh, like it does me. Are you anything about that matchup sticking off the page? Well, that one, that one is wild, but in the very same vein, I can't stop but looking from two down with the record of 0-0 versus 34-30. and 30. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these, these, and then 17 and four versus five and oh, 20 and three versus six and four. I mean, these, and we these stopped. Like, 65 it's the super luck it's the super luck champion taking What's on going on dude there are multiple people with o and o records multiple dude. people mm. Oka Sasaki is on the card um, two and three I thought that oh god customer rules bouts <laughs> for, for gobi yes and then the very yeah. bottom one is just says unconfirmed rumor <laughs> tension tension is 39 and O in kickboxing he's gotta be 39 and one now right i guess kickboxing didn't count in the mayweather thing no that was a He's 4-0 MMA, but my man is, he's also fighting the, uh, I didn't even know that had a, an event page. It's this seven, weird... it's two rumored things. They're well, it's, it's uh, this actually was on Reddit. This was on Reddit, um, and it had an official, yeah, Mayweather Promotions, Mega 21. This is the only bout and it's unconfirmed rumor. Okay. No, I could have swore on uh, on Reddit. There was... Uh, I just saw it on the front page. Uh... All right, whatever. Listen, take it from us. We're hearing people talk about it. Tenson Nasikawa, uh, he's fighting possibly. There's a thing I heard. <laughs> yeah, I heard. I heard that he might be. Uh, yeah. So that takes place uh, Thursday, twelve thirty-one at twelve a.m. So uh, not New Year's. So keep that in mind. This is not taking place like as the as the thing happens, as the ball drops. This is are you looking to party? Are you looking to pre-New Year's party? <laughs> I just don't think anything Japan New Year's related could be as special as uh as Uberim KOing Evansville, Indiana's own uh, 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 Todd Duffy. Yeah, Todd Duffy. Not even in, that. Wasn't that Ho wasn't that Jose Canseco night? Uh, <laughs> was it? Like, was, I don't remember, but that was one of them. It Did was like it was fight like, on that card. It was like skills. It's in baseball. <laughs> Dude, yeah, okay. Fighting style, it was fighting style, it was baseball. <laughs> Solid. Dude, that's, a, that's one thing that I am so, I am bummed, man. That, because, like, this is, this fight, um, there is a service that Risen is going through for U.S. audiences. It's not expensive, it's 25 bucks to watch it, and I'll, I honestly, I'll probably pay it, and I'll probably watch it. But at the same time, um, it's a little bit of a bummer because it just like, yeah, there's not, I mean, granted, we do have Minowa Man. Minowa Man is on the card, which is good enough for me. But it's no super, oh my God, look at his, like, look at his. Uh. That's his. That's his pathology profile. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at this man. It like, hold on. We'll get to the. We'll get to the era I'm talking about. He won. He won the Super Hulk. He won the Super Hulk. I think it's. I think he won it against Sokaju. Yes. Yes. He beat Sokaju for the Super Hulk 
championship in K1. What a time to be alive. He does, uh... Dude, he is just taking on all comers. Are you 0 and 1? Don't care. Are you 2 and 2? Don't care. <laughs> Are you 1 and 2? Don't care. 0 and 0? Get in here. Fight me at Gladiator. Get in here. Yeah. Well, I'm down to watch him fight again. But, uh, but yeah. Well, let me hit this. Uh, let me get this screen share off here, and uh, we can we can get out of here. You look like what? You look like the neighbor from Home Improvement. <laughs> <sighs> well, Brad, another week, another podcast. Um, you have anything else to say to the people before we get out of here? God damn. Thanks, y'all. I'm lying. I actually do have something to say. Thanks, y'all, for staying around checking us out. Like, subscribe. Tell all your friends. If you like MMA, keep coming back. We be doing this every week. And we got clips on the channel. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, you can, find, uh, you can find the show notes on, uh, on filmfightfreaks.com. Uh, you can find my predictions there as well for the the prelim cards. I get a little bit of time off because this month this month long break. Um, so we'll be and we'll we're still gonna be doing the show every week. Um, but I think we're gonna have to get a little bit creative as to how to how to do it. Because um, like be I said fine. earlier, what'd you say? It'll be fine. We'll come up with something. Yeah, yeah, we had, I had some ideas. Um, and yeah, well, uh, yeah, like Brad said, thanks for listening. Um, and yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace.